Jesus said, the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the some people say, hey, could you say a little something about creeds? I mean, why do we say the Apostles' Creed at family prayer time? And honestly, uh, it's new to me too, but I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. See, my first thoughts roamed to the idea of family traditions. And they could be good or bad, and we've all got them. Maybe it's a family reunion or a white elephant gift exchange at Christmas time. Or maybe your family is the family that tries to avoid traditions. Uh, but guess what? That's probably a tradition, too, in itself. You know, creeds are a part of God's family traditions. Depending on how or where you have worshipped in the past or how you grew up, it may be a new concept. Or you may even have thought they're somehow unbiblical or divisive. You know, Susan, she grew up reciting them. And I can remember reciting the Nicene Creed maybe once at the church I grew up and the Apostles' Creed only once in college. So it was a little different going over it whenever we do family prayer out of the Book of Common Prayer. However, I realized that not only are they a useful tool to train up a child in the way they should go, but the Bible uses creeds creeds to teach too. And, uh, you know, for those of you who want to look at that a little more, I'll leave a link down in the notes section if you get curious. Of course, uh, the Bible is the standard. We believe that Scripture is God-breathed. That's from 1 Peter chapter 1. We believe that it is the church's final authority in all matters of faith and practice. But here's something to chew on. When you're talking to a young child about salvation through Jesus, do you say, now begins the reading of the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, through Revelation 22 through 21? I mean, all of the word is God's story of salvation. But no, we start with a little snippet like Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and you and your household. But we've probably been talking with our kids about God and why Jesus came in the first place. So, you see, there's some doctrine that is taught alongside leading our kids to faith in Christ. We condense what we know that God has shown us into smaller chunks that our kids can remember. Then we pray that God gets a hold of them and they grow into God's word as we teach. The use of creeds in the history of God's people in the Bible can be seen all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, especially verses 4 through 9. It was part of a core faith statement that came to be recited corporately as a part of worship, and it reinforces the truth about God. It is also giving the method for handing that truth down. Here's what it says. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children, and talk about them when you are at home, and when you are away, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know, even if it's been a while since you've been in the Old Testament reading around, those words might sound familiar. In Mark chapter 12, 
29 through 34, the Jewish leaders are pressing Jesus about the greatest commandment. And here's what he says. He says, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. Sound familiar? The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. Well, this is much more important than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And it says, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. See, when Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy there, he's quoting a famous passage at that time the Jews called the Shema, and they still recite it today. Back in Jesus' time, they were probably praying this and reciting it at least twice a day. You see, but Jesus modified it. He brought in Leviticus chapter 19, and it focuses there on community. And the whole point of the Shema is about setting each generation on a firm foundation of doctrinal priorities. You see, because God is great, he is worthy of being known correctly as he has revealed himself. Jesus also adds that reminder to be practicing love, which many Jews had lost sight of at the time of Jesus. After all, the kingdom is at hand, he says. The king has come, so guess what we do? We straighten up and we get things right. However, this isn't where I turn and say Christians must do the same thing. Uh, in our house, I'm just going to be honest, we struggle to do something as structured as family prayer time several times a week. But likewise, I also want to debunk the idea that the Christian faith must be completely unstructured if it's to avoid the pitfalls of legalism. You know, um, you can be just as legalistic about having no structure as you can having structure. So I, I guess I want to just say, worrying about what we do or don't do is legalism. It's legalism. Whether you do it or don't do it, if that's what you're focused on, you're a legalist, and we've missed the point. Whatever we do should be motivated by why we do it. You see, we are receiving the salvation of God through his provision in Jesus Christ. That's the why. So we read scripture and teach our children creeds because what Christ has done for us is worth correctly passing it on to our children. Likewise, as we learn that God is personal and active, we make time to let God move in our lives too. We want both. It's not one at the expense of the other. So with the Apostles' Creed, for instance, we recite that not just because it's in the prayer book or on the website. We do it because it teaches the non-negotiable foundation for what it means to be a Christian. It comes from the teaching of the apostles that was handed down. It's a tool for growing our hearts toward worshiping God as we learn more about who he's revealed himself to be. It's like a Kickstarter for those who are young in the faith, regardless of how old you are. Hebrews 12 is good for this too. It reminds us we have the benefit of a great cloud of witnesses that surround us and offer us their understanding and lessons learned. Our community includes believers from around the world today and throughout history. See, the Old Testament saints, the apostles, the church fathers, and many Christians throughout history, even our own moms and dads, they worked hard to pass down what they have learned and experienced to us, their spiritual children, or actual children. But you see, because Christ has brought us into his kingdom and his family, we are free to explore our family history and tradition. That's why I'm teaching my children the creeds. And in fact, I hope that Jesus is always the why for anything we do. And I hope that would be the case for you guys as well. Let me just close with a prayer for all of us. You know, I pray that God will encourage you all today, that his spirit will give you a deep realization for the freedom that comes from being a recipient of God's grace. I pray that Jesus will be unmistakably present in your lives, 
as you reflect on being a part of God's family and the heritage that we have all been born into. Pray you have a good day. You want to meditate further on what it means to reflect on your family, your Jesus family heritage. Think about what it means to pass these down to your kids and just try and find some motivation for 15 minutes of pain with your kids a couple nights a week. Um, I'm going to drop some links, uh, some scripture scripture references that I used for studying when I was thinking about this uh, YouTube video. And then I also am going to give you a couple of YouTube links. You just want to learn a little more about the creeds. So uh, we here love you. We hope you have a good, a good rest of your day. And maybe we'll uh, join with you guys tonight as we pray as a family. So uh, with that, have a good day, family. We'll talk to you later. Bye. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead on the third day. He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand.